everyone. Welcome to uh, the new season of uh, Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Um, we're, baby, we're just starting in space. We're just in space day one. This Perfect. is a true, this is an extremely space anime. And uh, this, this was chosen, yeah, chosen by uh, Kuvo. And uh, Kuvo, you want to you wanna give us an intro to this season's anime? Yeah, so we're going to be watching Planet S. Um it's a pretty good one. Uh, I figured we should watch something a bit more serious and, you know, thought-provoking after watching these, look at these idiot animes for the last two seasons. So, <laughs> yeah, um, Planet S is basically a story in, set in 2075 about a whole bunch of garbage men in space. Uh, that sounds bad, but it's actually a very cool because there's a lot of cool themes that they get to explore about uh, the future of space exploration and just the human condition in general. And getting so, um, shot into the solar system. Out yeah. of the solar system? Theoretically, um, hopefully out. I think the goal is out of the solar system. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I don't know what else really you want me to say about it other than uh, hope, yeah. we're going to kind of assume that uh, we've watched these episodes as we talk about them. Yeah. And we're doing uh, episodes one to three today and we'll be doing uh, four at a time normally. I think we might just end up doing three at a time, frankly. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Uh, but we're doing three today because there's a lot to get introduced on but uh i'll say as someone who went in blind to this and just like didn't want to see any of it in advance even a little bit uh really really enjoying it totally caught off guard by everything i thought it was going to be like super serious space opera it is largely just dumb office shit <laughs> Which it's an office is, comedy is, in space it's an office comedy to some extent yeah it's quite good and it's, uh, it's funny yeah. how because there's like a huge amount of themes in the show like the human relationship with space i guess is the overall theme and like there's a whole bunch of um themes a bit so like the optimism versus pessimism you know greed ambition idealism pragmatism existential dread grief mortality but also it's also a huge roast on just corporate culture so yeah. it's uh pretty fun and we'll get into more of the ethical issues later in the series because it goes pretty hard on some of its themes towards the later half of mm. the uh show mm. But, um, All right. Uh, Want to start us off with episode one, Kuma? Yeah. Uh, the cold open is a lifting body, body type shuttle. And I guess before we even begin, I should say that um, this is a space anime, but this is like hard science fiction. Um, this is things that could be practical and feasible in the near future. So you're, there's going to be like no warp drives or laser guns or anything. Like this is all like futuristic, but existing based on existing technology. This is all lower orbit shit. And dealing with a very, like, realistic and believable problem, to say the least. Like, in the form of... What, the we just syndrome. left shit up there. We shall yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> we, just, we just left shit there, man. Oh, the cold open is perfect for this. We really did leave a lot of shit up in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we see the shuttle. It's a commercial flight. It looks like your standard just, you know, plane flight, but it's on a space shuttle type thing. Uh, there's a woman holding a compass. The only reason I point this out is because it comes relevant later. A man goes to the bathroom. Uh, we see the screw. It's just kind of tumbling towards space. And then suddenly at, like, warp speed, it hits the shuttle. And um, if you know anything about space, you've realized that uh, you're going at, you know, 15, 20 kilometers a second up in space when you're orbiting. So even something with yeah. the mass of a screw can totally fuck up a space shuttle. And I really like this, yeah. too, because they don't actually show any sort of gory details in it. They just start up a, an explanation of this was a horrible space tragedy. This thing yeah. that you just saw the very start of. 
Yeah, so and they just show the screw like cracking the glass and causing a huge and like clearly a lot of damage because it's not like a tiny crack. It's like, oh, this ship is fucked. This ship is clearly in trouble. Yep. And then they cut away. Yeah. Yeah. So the narrator breaks in and says that after this suborbital, you know, shuttle disaster, uh, the high, the space junk was, you know, becoming a problem and people realized that they had to fix this. So to prevent more accidents, they started to have groups of people go up into space and start disposing of the trash as necessary. Um, and this is the story of those people. Um, we see an establishing side of Earth. Uh, first off, there's a large double Stanford tourist station. Um, I'm just nerding out a bit because I love space exploration and astronomy, but um, this is a feasible type of future space station that we could have. And this thing is massive. Um, I don't know, several city blocks large, I guess is a good way of putting it. Um, it's the ISPV-7, and it's kind of like the main home base for most of the series. So, Get used we're to in- it. Yeah, we're introduced to Ai Tanabe. Um, this is one of the main characters of the show. She is a 20-something-year-old Japanese woman, and she has short hair, and she's kind of optimistic, and just is her first day in space, and she's super pumped about it. <laughs> um, she... I could skip over most of this. Um, she enters into the command center, which is a whole bunch of people doing a very important stuff on computers and starts blurting out her name and her rank and how she's happy to work the first day. Uh, it's kind of an introduction to her character. I like cause she is very prim and proper, but also optimistic and yeah. And she's also in optimistic, the wrong place. Optimistic <laughs> to a fault, which yes. in this case, yeah. the fault is she kicks in the door and is being as loud and optimistic as possible. And then everyone turns to her and goes like, um, this is, you're looking for the trash room. This is where the adults are. <laughs> well, it's funny. She yells her introduction and then like everybody looks at her and then goes back to work. They just ignore her. Yes. It's such an office moment. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'm really going over this scene is because it's introduced to two major characters that will show themselves up many times in the future. Um, first off is the command operations manager, this guy named Dolph. Uh, he's very stern looking dude in his forties. Um, He kind of ignores her and keeps talking to his subordinate, whose name is Claire. Uh, They are talking about uh, intro, I-N-T-O. It's um, NATO. Just think of it as NATO. Don't worry about it. Right. They're talking about instructions for what to do with this trash in space. And then they tell her to leave because she's in the wrong place. Uh, She goes down to uh, find where she's supposed to go. She has these three friends over the entirety of the series that I don't even know if they have names. I she just gets lunch with them and does. they roast the shit out of her. W- woman one, woman two, woman three. <laughs> I think the blonde one's name is Lucy, if I remember correctly. But yeah, they're like her friends and they kind of tell her, like, listen, you got to pay attention. You're the bottom of your class. It's amazing you even got to sit into space. And she gets kind of introspective here and wonders why, like, how she could get into space with no experience or anything. But She nearly gets run over by a truck. <laughs> yeah. They keep making fun of her for not paying attention and keeping her head up and she almost gets hit by this, like... In- truck thing yeah <laughs> like these safety bars pop up in front of her and she almost like flips over them as she's not paying attention and walks into them and like her friends grab her and pull her back like hey dummy <laughs> look <laughs> yeah so she makes it down to the debris section and she walks into the room gives her big loud intro like she did before and then looks around and realizes that this place is like weird it's like it first off in like a cargo hangar that's just kind of been appropriated yeah, There's a bunch the of just top weird people. is really great, uh, you know, really nice and clean, and the bottom is literally just shitty storage space. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of, like, weird-looking people. There's animals in the office. There's these weird machines and stuff. And so she backs out looking confused. 
But she and as someone who worked in a converted bus garage, like it was a bus garage and they turned it into an office. So there were no windows and it was separate from the rest of the <laughs> building and, you know, didn't get all the privileges of the main building. Yep. This shit hit different. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. oh, man, that's where I worked. <laughs> converted lab for me. So, yeah, no windows. Balls cold in the winter because it didn't have proper heating. And yeah, it's, it's definitely like, oh, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be an office. But it is now. When you need more space. I mean, in space, there isn't a lot of room. So It's true. It's hard to get more space in space. So uh, she backs out to look at the sign again, but she bumps into a man in a spacesuit. And at first, she's like, charmed. She's like, wow, it's an actual spacesuit. And then she looks down, the guy's wearing a diaper. He's not wearing the bottom half. Um, this guy is rude and in her face and says, you know, like he's trying to get her out of here. And she starts saying like, oh, no, this is sexual harassment. Stop making fun of me. And the two managers in the room start panicking like, I don't know, middle office managers do. <laughs> do we have to file some papers over those? <laughs> yeah, and there's some shenanigans here where one of the animals gets loose and the diaper guy falls on her. It, Yeah. The beginning of the series kind of has the silly stuff in it. The, so The part that I think is the good detail is the lady boss who is just smoking inside of like a hazmat handling suit thing. Yeah, like it's that's basically where she lives. Suppo- <laughs> yeah, like it, it, she's using the containment unit backwards to just hotbox so that it doesn't set off the smoke alarms in the area, which kicks ass. And yeah, like some stuff happens and she lifts up the hood and immediately one of the other managers is like, wait, 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 you're going to set off the smoke alarms. And she's like, oh shit, and gets sprayed in the face. It's pretty, it's a good bit of comedy, but I just love this chain smoking boss yes. who, to get around the like smoke alarms instead of like leaving and smoking outside is just like, well, I'm in space, so I got all smoking this weird or if you've ever been in a frat where they put up the uh like wire hanger plastic bag straight over the smoke detector it's basically (laughs) that but in space yeah it feels very college can't smoke indoor must find way around that (laughs) yeah so um, we're introduced to the office basically at this point so let's spend some time going over these characters because they are important for the rest of the series Mm -hmm. um we're first introduced to the section manager his name is philip myers he's this like 60 year old fat blonde american dude um he's kind of like jolly and bubbling and he's also kind of indecisive and yes manny in a way yes um the assistant supervisor's name is ravi or arvin ravi they just call him ravi it's this uh, 43-year-old tall Indian man. He's very energetic and obnoxious. and He's he is climbing a cor- that corporate ladder. Yeah, he is a corporate yes man through and through. Um, Fee Carmichael is the captain of the ship they go out, the toy box. Um, her, she is a 36-year-old tan American woman. She is outspoken, blunt, and she is a smoker, as we have talked about. And this is very relevant because they make fun of her all the time for smoking in space. Yes. She's also voiced by, uh, in the dub, uh, Faye Valentine, Wendy Lee. Yeah. Same exact voice. Um, next guy up is Yuri Mikhailov. I hope I said that right. Um, he is the first mate of the toy box. He's this 37-year-old blonde Russian dude. He's very calm, quiet, and friendly. Uh, we see Edelgard Riviera. She is a temp staff worker doing all the clerical work, basically. Um, 26-year-old blonde woman, and she is a silent professional in, um... You can tell know, how cold? much she hates everyone around her in the three seconds oh, yeah. that she's on They're, screen. Yeah. They do a good job with her character design of the, the disgust that she has for her coworkers. <laughs> she is on she is on a six month temporary contract, and then she is the fuck out of here, and she just wants to finish the six months without a problem. And that's this character. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then the last guy is uh, Hachitori Hoshiro. Everybody calls him Hajimaki, though, because of the headband. That's headband in Japanese. Uh, he's the EVA specialist. He's a 25-year-old Japanese dude. And he was the guy that was in the Astronaut Super 4. He is very brash, full of himself, mean, and loud. I still love that his defense for you're wearing a diaper was everyone wears a diaper in space. Like, don't you know that? Everyone's wearing a diaper at all times. Well, he's like, right, that's just right. how it is. He's right. They're all wearing diapers. You can't exactly right now. go take a piss in space, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Myers explains uh, that, like, the brief section makes no money and then it's hard and dangerous work. And Hajimaki starts going over, like, you know, He's trying to scare her out. Like, he doesn't want a new employee for some reason. But uh, if he tells him to fuck off and that Tanabe's got to be working under him from now on, so he gets real pissed off at this. Yeah, it should be really mentioned here that, like, you can see the corporate culture just, like, ooze through everything where it's like, well, the government forces this office to exist, but we don't want shit to have anything to do with this, so we are going to understaff it, make yes. fun of it, and... You're not allowed to unionize. Yeah, they call it the yeah. the half section. <laughs> because it's only half staffed and they've never bothered to fill it with any more. Yeah, because they like they can't make money. They're just yep. they're fixing shit. Like they are the fixing the problems the corporation caused sector, which is why it's underfunded and not making money. <laughs> so, it's a yeah, cost it's... center, not a revenue center. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um we see a montage of her getting fitted out in a spacesuit. Um Specifically, they only really uh, customize the helmets and the gloves of the EVA people, and then all the spacesuit part is just one size fits all. I was so excited when they said that because I was like, oh, she's going to be in a comedically large suit for her tiny body. And the next scene, sure enough, they walk out and she's like, does it look good? And he's like, yeah, it fits perfectly. And it's like so comedically over. It's like a baby in a snowsuit. It's so funny. It's a Disney it sense, mascot. I mean, yes. These things are thousands and thousands of dollars and... Why fit yep. them to a oh, person? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just yeah, really. I, I love it from you know coming off of other anime where you know everyone's fitted in a skin tight suit or whatever, and this is just like, no, nah, this is how it would be in a corporation. They'd be like, yeah, we got the suits made for you know everybody back when everybody was only six foot one tall men with perfect eyesight that go into space, yep. and now <laughs> one size fits all is a lot bigger of a category. It turns out. God, you're right. It reminds me of like we had to get steel toed boots in the lab for some work we were doing and they basically went yeah one size fit all and they were clown shoes <laughs> <laughs> and I had to like walk up and down stairs in them and they oh, were just no. not staying on my feet at all <laughs> and they were like no no we, we only have them in like two sizes like, walking ah. around like a duck Yes. One size fits all shoes is a special kind of hell. Yep. <laughs> That's <Yep>. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, so while she's getting fitted, uh, some rando dude asks Hachi about like the space debris, because apparently everybody's talking about this weird space debris, and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, they show them getting like uh, loading out and collecting equipment for the EVA they're about to do. And like Tanabe's getting like looking at the checklist, getting one of everything, and then Hachimaki is just picking up like handfuls of shit and throwing it in the cart. And uh, she says, like, you can't be doing this. And he calls her too serious. And she says that he's not serious enough. You and can't she, steal like, office supplies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> and she has this, like, romantic idea of astronauts being brave and disciplined and everything. And he's like, maybe a century ago. Now it's 2075. Everybody's in space. Right. Thanks for um, telling me when this is set. <laughs> yeah. And this is one I of... like that multiple times. He's like, hey you being here is proof that they just let whoever come up. And she's like, 
You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll skip over the porno mag part. <laughs> <laughs> He brings a porno, or he grabs a hustler, and she's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I got one for you, too. And it's like, Hunks Monthly. <laughs> she hits him with a cart, which, yeah. Yeah, that coming, mate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut back to her talking with her friends at, like, the cafeteria. She's, like, really depressed about having to work with this idiot coworker. And this is where they make fun of uh, half-section being half-staffed, half-funded, half-trained, etc. Half-assed, Yeah. Yeah, so they start preparing for departure. This is their first time being like a zero G section. So mm-hmm. like um, the show are like putting hairspray in and stuff because I guess you you have long hair in space. It makes sense to have hairspray. Um, don't want it in your eyes because you can't move over, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Said so you don't want it in your eyes because you can't move it. Well, imagine you, you got long hair. It's already awful being in wind. Like now imagine that zero G. It's just going to whoop everywhere. Yeah. Which um, is why you have to put it straight up all the way, like Marge Simpson. Yeah. You got a Marge Simpson it in space. That would rule. <laughs> yeah, Where, where's that, that anime? <laughs> uh, so they go out to the dock area. Yuri's saying that the ship has been flying for 30 years, and she's super concerned about this because uh, she doesn't think a ship should be that old in space. But uh, there's a uh, montage of the toy box launching, and it's kind of cool because it's like in zero G. It's very slow. There's no sound. Like it's realistic to how space works, as opposed to just you know warp ship drives flying around or whatever. They do a lot of silent shots in the middle of space, and it's really nice. Yeah, uh, the ship in the interior itself actually kind of looks like the space shuttle or the International Space Station. Like it's that mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic going. Um, she, she also breaks <laughs> the, the handle. Is so good. She's. <laughs> She's like looking out the window, Tanabe, just like super excited, like, oh, it's beautiful. Earth. And Hachi walks up behind her and is like, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Like looking at space. And then like as they're both having this moment of awe, the handle just breaks off in her hand on the window she was <laughs> holding. And he's like, oh, broke. Oh, broke again, I guess. And she goes, again? <laughs> it's like a very good moment of like, oh, wow, we're in space. This is amazing. Oh, this thing's a piece of shit. I, I am in a rickety tin can. 50 miles above the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a quick interstitial cut here of Philip and Robbie prepping for some company banquet and doing middle manager shit and talking like fucking idiots and Eldegard's super annoyed at them, which again is funny. They're really good introductions to all these characters in this episode. Yeah. Um, so Hachimaki and Tanabe are suiting up. Um, Fee is giving them a background on the mission. Apparently there was this commemorative plate that was sent up in space 20 years ago um, as like a war memorial that asked the children of this country called Managa live in peace. Which, uh, th- oh boy, the, everything yeah. they do with this is so good. Yeah, so the orbit intersects some satellite and so they got to scrap it. Uh, Tanabe asks why it's a message of peace and love and shouldn't that stay up there? And Hachi says, you know... A no. piece of metal basically can't do any of that. Why? It's do you a have fucking that? rock in space. It's yeah. a, a bit of dangerous debris in space. No, let's get rid of that. Yeah. This, I should say, is the beginning of basically one of the major themes <clears throat> and interactions of these two characters is that Tanabe is like an optimistic, like romantic idealist, while Hajimaki is more of a. Who, um, like. Cynical. cares and believes in symbols and yeah hachi is very <laughs> he's like a cynical, cynical realist. and realist and yeah. that kind of thing and yeah. yes this goes on the entirety of the series between these two so shocking yeah they anytime argue. there is a symbol that is optimistic <laughs> expect expect tanabe to be like i love it and hachi to be like bull but it's bullshit <laughs> i think it's bullshit I, and that happens like I need to six times in these three episodes <laughs> i'm gonna make a tally of, who, of who's right 
Because I have it's... opinions on who's right here. <laughs> For what it's worth, uh, there is character development in both of their directions about this. Mm. So um, anyway, they start arguing and Fee cuts in and be like, listen, I know how you feel, Tanabe, but it's a job. We got to, you know, take the scrap down. And so she's like, OK, fine, I'll do it. Um, we cut to the space station. Um, Claire and Dolph are talking, the two guys from the beginning. The satellite is Into, and they're concerned. Like, Into, I guess, is getting concerned about this. And by the way, whenever you hear Into, it's basically future UN or future NATO, I guess. It's pretty obvious. It's never outright set, but it's kind of implied that, like, the United States is leading it. So Right. Um, so they're all concerned about the satellite hitting this and everything. Uh, Tanabe and Hachi are heading down on the fishbone, which, by the way, is this, like, extra vehicular craft thing. It's like a little shuttle scooter thing. It looks so shitty, and I love it. And one of them has to, like, hang on to the yes. side of it. Like, one of them is in a seat, but It's a one-person car. Yes. It, so Tanabe yeah. has to it's hang got... on to the side. <laughs> it's got big garbage truck with a guy hanging off the back yes. of it, so yes. you can, like, hop off, throw it in, and then hop back on and yep. ride a little further. Yeah, it's got that energy, which is perfect. Yeah, so they start talking about the mission. Um, apparently, Tanabe didn't get the dossier that was going around about it. So the plate is being dropped into Earth's orb, or being scrapped, because the satellite is an Intel military surveillance satellite. Which, ooh, can you, can you hammer it in a little harder? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Tanabe kicks the fishbone because she's getting pissed about having to, you know, drop this message of peace for a war satellite, essentially. Uh, Hachi flies out, but it recovers, and she's pissed at, like, you know, it's a tool of war and all that. They start People arguing. People get thrown clear of their spaceships a lot in this, by the way. Yeah, they uh, start arguing, and feet. there's a funny shot of Faye and Yuri just, like, inside the toy box, just listening to these idiots argue. It's very um, good. Yeah. Tanabe then thoughtlessly says that, like, I don't care about that war satellite. I hope the plate collides with it. And then Hachi gets, like, super pissed about that because, you know, space debris. And so he kicks her off the wishbone. Good. Uh, she had it coming. That was a really <laughs> shitty thing to say. <laughs> yeah, so she starts flailing and freaking out because she's in, like, free fall and just flailing. There's no way to stop her from spinning. Um, after she recovers, she yeah. thought that Astra... She doesn't know her suit stop codes, which is a thing you will it'll, hear about a few off. times. <laughs> Yeah, so she thought that astronauts are supposed to be like free of countries and nationalities. And I love the line that uh, Hachi says. He's like, nope, we're just wage slaves like everybody else. This is literally a day job. Yeah. Uh, they eventually arrive at the plate and she starts reading it. Um, uh, it was sent up by Into itself. And I guess like they tried to overthrow some evil right wing regime or something for peace and freedom and democracy and justice. And it's Hachi's so like, good. They were yeah. just fucking sucking their own dicks about this thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're so good. We set them free. We, we, we put killed. it up here for the children. We're the U.S. going into countries and freeing them, you know? And she's and just, like, just like, oh. They started. Yeah, Hachi's just like, yeah, pretty rich considering they started the war, huh? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, but he makes a note that, like, yeah, even Japan, where we're from, is part of Into, so who knows? So Tanabe is like, oh, this is a straight up propaganda. Fuck this. And she apologizes and says the drop, you know, the plate. There's a montage of them working to get it done. Um, they said that they're 15 minutes behind schedule, and she asked him why. She's getting kind of, like, anxious about it because, of course, first day on the job, I can't start being late. But he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, so he asked her, like, straight up, like, why did you come to space? And she's like, oh, I was curious to test my limits. You know, after high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to see who I was, what I could accomplish. But then, like, she starts getting introspective. And is like, maybe I'm not cut out for space, and she wonders about herself. 
So they start deorbiting the plate. It starts, uh, you know, becomes a shooting star and becomes very bright. And Hachimaki says that, like, it's happening right over Mananka. And then we see, of course... I I don't think Hachi says it. I do believe this is Fee, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this is Fee. She gives a whole speech about this. Yeah. Hachi has specifically no idea about this. Yeah. Yeah, so we see a montage of, like, a war-torn country, and, uh, like, there's an into presence doing, like, the UN sort of thing. And Fee says that, like, even though it was space debris and garbage, for a brief moment, if it can bring happiness to the kids down there watching it re-entry, you know, it's good for humanity, regardless of the original intent of what it was there for. We can Because it's, like, burning this. up, like, a cool rainbow comet thing. Yeah. yeah. So Tanabe asks Hachi, is like, wait, did you wait the 15 minutes for that? And he doesn't reply. Um <laughs> We cut to their office. Tanabe is super pissed at Hachi because he wasted 15 minutes for overtime pay. Yeah, he's like, don't you know we get paid extra if the mission takes too long and we're out in space another 20 minutes? She's like, are you kidding me? It was because of that. And he's like, yeah, what did you think I was doing? Yeah, he she thought it was like a super romantic gesture. <laughs> and he was just doing, well, I'd say like wage on theft, but like all all yeah, wages. He's theft, doing, he's, so. He was doing exactly what you should he's do. He's doing get, his patriotic duty. Get every single goddamn penny you can out of your bosses. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's the intro. I think it's a pretty good opening for a series. It kind of sets the tone. You can tell the intent of the characters and how like the series is going to portray. You know. Yeah. And, and it also like shows that it's not afraid to talk about these big themes and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but also at the same time it, it will be realistic and have them just get home and be like, oh, no, I was just killing time for overtime. It, it is <laughs> like, yeah, like, like Absolutely. So uh, episode so, two, Ty, I think that's you. Episode two, yeah. This will be pretty brief because I'm just doing general uh, overview here. So uh, Tanabe walks in and everyone in the office is doing a lottery dance, which... They have some stuff taped on their chest and are dancing around, and it's a whole, it's a whole production. <laughs> like, Very good. Uh, more or less, like uh, Hachi is trying to win a lottery, and they're you know doing a big office charade about it. Uh, then they ask him like, "Hey, why, why do you want to win a lottery or whatever?" And he gets all defensive about a book he has that apparently is like all the ways he's going to own a spaceship. Like right. he just really wants to buy his own ship. And these are and like first grader type plots. Yeah. <laughs> to get a spaceship. Yeah. And like he's clearly very embarrassed about it when it is brought up in front of uh Tanabe. Um so after that whole exchange, they're trying to train to get Tanabe not doing the thing she did last time where she just started flipping around and had no control over anything. Cause it turns out flying with just like jet like air thrusters in a vacuum pretty hard yeah pretty hard actually there's a montage of this like where she has all the training pads on it should be stated like the way that they thrust around in the series in zero g is they have like these little like things on their wrists that like push out air or propellant or whatever and so like you kind of have to fly backwards with like your wrist in front of your stomach so it's in the center of gravity and this is what she's trying to learn Yes, and it very specifically mentions, like, you're going to set yourself on a spin unless you hit yourself perfectly in your center of gravity, so you better get really good at doing that. Mm -hmm. This will come up. Um, Good luck, motherfucker. I can't figure that shit out. (laughs) 
Yeah, and as they're doing this training, um, a friend of Hachi's walks up, and he, I'm completely forgetting his name. Um, Chang. Yeah, it's the Chinese Something. one. Hold on, let me get his name so we can actually remember this. Damn it, it was said several times. I know, they say it constantly. It was right on my brain, like, <laughs> Chang Lin or something? Damn. Either way, he is a pilot. Uh, who is, you know, he's basically explaining like, ah, they still have me only doing cargo. I can't really fly people yet. So, oh, uh, Ko Sheng Shin. Okay. Sheng Shin, yes. Um, There we go. Voiced by Steve And (laughs) Yeah. But more or less just like, yeah, I'm flying the space shuttles, but it's like only for cargo stuff right now. I'm not approved to fly people still, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Then we get a scene. I think this is of uh, what's his face, just like kind of thinking about his dreams of owning a spaceship and how maybe they're a little silly at this point after running into his friend who is soon probably going to be actually piloting a spaceship like the way you know normal people would approach it as opposed to i'm gonna win the lottery and buy a spaceship yeah hachimaki is kind of depressed and i don't know dazed for most of this episode because you know people are kind of shitting on his dreams yep yeah speaking of which uh the next thing is uh Hachi and Tanabe are still training for zero G stuff and like, you know, getting center gravity, all that. Uh and some folks walking by just really start shit. Like really out of nowhere, just kind of lean in and go like, Oh hey, it's that dumb guy from Oh, they're they're telling him, Hey, you gotta be out of this space in like an hour. We've got this reserved or something. And then he's like, Oh <laughs> hey, you're the guy room. who Yeah, and he's like Oh, hey, you're the guy who thinks he's going to own a spaceship despite being in the half block or half section or whatever. Like, ah, that's a good one. Have you looked at how much uh, that shit costs? (laughs) Yeah. So Hachi uh, blows up on them and gets into a fist fight with three dudes, like, instantly. It goes exactly Uh, how you'd expect. Yeah, he gets some good hits in and then ends up getting held down and gets the shit beat out of him. Don't get in a fight with Uh, three people. Just general life lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care how good you are. What Three if you people know space is... kung fu, though. <laughs> That's a lot of people, though. Three people is too many people. I think gun kata could be pretty dangerous in space as long as you <laughs> held the gun exactly in center of mass. <laughs> uh, so after he's knocked out, he has uh, like a recollection or like a dream, whatever you want to call it, of an incident he had when he was pretty new on the job of uh, like being a junk disposal guy. And it's him and, uh, like, his mentor at the time going out to a satellite they're getting ready to dispose of. And as they're going out there, he has a moment where, like, he's flying out there and the guy's like, oh, watch out, by the way, there's moving parts on this thing. So, like, don't get smacked in the head by an arm or else, you know, it'll it'll kill you. You will be literally obliterated if this thing hits you, basically. Yeah, like, it may not look like it's going super fast. It is going super fast, <laughs> and it's also the size of a house, so be aware. Uh, and almost gets hit by it, like, basically propels himself out of the way, is also spinning and has lost control, and manages to, like, bump into the satellite, uh, and hits it in a way that makes the automated, like, collision detection on the satellite go off, and so it just propels itself off into space. Yep. And, like, they... D- they didn't know the thrusters and stuff were still working and it still had propellant. So, like, this completely caught them off guard. Yeah, there's, there's like, his mentor off. is basically just like, oh, huh, that's still working. Well, we ain't going to see that again for a while. It's really yeah, one of those awkward places where you nudge and it goes, whoop, and whoops off. Just, I'm over yeah. here, buddy. <laughs> and also the whole time is like, oh, this damn newbie. And at one point specifically says, um, <coughs> oh, um. 
you know, take your time, don't rush. You know, like if you rush, you're going to get in trouble. Just take your time. Yeah, you can see he's uh, making the exact same mistakes that he's that Tanabe was, yeah. yelling at Tanabe about in the previous episode. Yeah, it's a really nice about, moment. Not knowing about the stop function. Yep. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, he mentions the stop code on the suits, which is just making it stop flipping around. Very useful. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> So he wakes up in Med Bay. Um, there's like some cream with him, and the guy at Med oh, Bay this wasn't like, the Med Bay. Oh yeah, it, sh- it should be said that this is like the dormitory for the men, which is kind yeah, of Tom interesting because it's a big room, and then there's like a whole bunch of capsule hotels oh, on the side. Right? Yeah, because he wakes up and there's like the cream, and the friend there's just like, oh yeah, Tanabe left that for you, and he's just like, oh okay, I got well, it's cool, I guess. <laughs> it's fine. fine. She cares about me. Fuck her. <laughs> Yeah, and then gets upset and throws his book of how he's going to buy a ship in his locker and slams it shut. It should be noted that out uh, of the uh, book that was in his locker, a picture came out of him along with um, uh, Cheng Shane and the, what was the woman's name? Oh, crap. This uh, one, they only mention yeah. her name once for yes. a second. Yeah, That's Claire. That was the woman from the beginning of the series that was talking to Dolph in mm-hmm. the command. So clearly his friends are kind of moving up in the world and he's realized he's yeah. just a garbage That's man. That's what that was supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then before they, uh, they're getting ready to take off to take care of some satellite and uh, they basically just have an interaction where, you know, she's like, you're supposed to be out. Tana Bay is like yelling at him. Like, you're supposed to be optimistic all the time. You're an astronaut. Don't you know this kind of stuff? And he eventually is just like, look, some dreams don't come true. Okay. <laughs> like he just gives her this very hard, you know, reality check kind of speech situation. Cause he's clearly pretty beat up he's, right he's now. Like, he's time. not doing great. Um, it should also be mentioned that a B-plot of this episode is that Cheng Shin uh, has just gotten his first clearance to go on a flight uh, with, with actual people. people. Oh, right. With people, yeah. Um, and that will come up very soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they are... Uh, yeah, they had like a night where they were like drinking basically, where after he celebrated, you know, getting the clearance to fly a uh, flight with people on it and uh yeah so they get up there they start the uh satellite disposal and it turns out that yes it is in fact the exact satellite that uh hachi bumped into all those years ago i, I really like that they have this because like space orbital periods are in matters of years sometimes so it's like yeah this is actually the next time it's convenient for us to go grab this yeah, they say, like, I, I think as I mentioned, that it was on some, like, weirdly elliptical orbit that was taking forever to get back. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also like it because it reminds me of the film Twister, where it is insinuated <laughs> that the same Twister that attacked her dad and her yes. when she was a child is the Twister that is coming back as an, when she is an adult. Which, it reminds me of that, except this time mm-hmm. it is the same satellite, unlike the film Twister, where that's wild, it's not the same Twister. <laughs> that's cool, I guess. <laughs> the, yo, in the film Twister, the tornado, like, roars at her. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, they clearly, need, they're like, yo, we gotta make sure everyone knows this tornado knows stuff. <laughs> this is a sentient tornado. <laughs> Holy shit. So, they're getting ready to go do satellite disposal, and uh, as he's doing it, exact same thing happens where there's like a piece moving around and he's just like hey Tanabe by the way watch out there's moving stuff and if you get donked by that it's gonna be a really bad time <laughs> like make sure you have your face shield closed please be careful 
Uh, she panics as she's almost hit by a thing, boosts away, bumps into the satellite, and immediately sets off a collision alert, which makes it start jetting off again. And Asi's just like, oh my god, she did the literal exact <laughs> thing I did. This is too stupid. <laughs> yeah, he has like no self-awareness of the fact that like he was the rookie at the time, made the mistake, and like he doesn't feel like any sort of sympathy or compassion for her for doing it, even though he did the same fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, oh, there's a goddamn rookie. I can't believe this. Um, so the satellite starts going way off course, like way off where it was supposed to be. Because it's thrusting out again, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they're about to reach uh, the end of the like cable because they have it like hooked on to the little ship to they the flew out. Bone. I think yeah. they basically were like, ah, oh, shit, bone. it's getting away. Let's hook it up to the fishbone and stop its momentum. Yeah, uh, so the problem is then it ends up floating so far out that the cable is about to reach its limit, uh, which clearly uh, Tanabe doesn't really understand the full implications of this, whereas Hachi uh, very much does, because Hachi like latches himself onto the satellite, and as it hits the end of the cable, it does what you would expect, which is... It snaps the cable. <laughs> like, I think it all the thing about this that I really hard. like, though, is that like when the cable first snaps, they don't actually realize it. There's yeah. this sense yeah. of dread that you get where, like, you, the viewer, see it snap, but they just keep talking as if absolutely nothing has happened. And it goes as on for, like, a stopped. whole minute. Yeah. Um, so after this cable snaps, they, they, yeah, they don't realize this is happening. And at one point, a uh, one of the cables just lashes Hachi, like, directly in the face, but luckily has his, you know, face shield on. Basically, they put a very good explanation of, why they generally keep the face shield down yeah. <laughs> on this thing. It's also that the cable is. snapping caused the satellite, which was in just a kind of a different orbit of like wildly spin out of control. Yep. Which is the yep. major thing here. Yeah. So it starts spinning and, uh, oh no, we're in big trouble now. This thing is absolutely going to slam into a flight. Whose flight is it? <laughs> oh, it's Chang Shin's first flight. Oh <laughs> no. Oh no. <laughs> this couldn't be it's worse. So perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I love that it's immediately like, it's like, oh, also, it's your best friend's flight the first <laughs> time he's ever done it. Don't screw up. Uh, and the ship starts, like, deploying anti-debris bumpers or whatever. It should and, be noted uh, that these debris bumpers are, like, for stopping screws from breaking windows and not from stopping, you know, 400 ton satellites satellite. from The International <laughs> Space Station from slamming into you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they have a whole back and forth. And at one point, you know, she's like, oh, it's fine. They have debris bumpers. And he's like, it's, it's not fine. Debris bumpers <laughs> are not meant for this. Like I, there is no backing down now. I have to do this because what's been holding up one of the thrusters is there's just like a piece of cloth just like jammed up in it or something along those yeah, lines. It's the satellite foil, but yeah. 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 Satellite foil. Yeah. And he just eventually manages to rip that out and then has to manually time on this flipping satellite, like when to thrust so that it does not collide. So that he can basically uh, take it up into higher orbit. Exactly. Yeah. And like manages to do it. And then afterwards uh, they have like, they're, you know, kind of getting, getting everybody back moment. And when she, I can't remember what she, uh, Tanabe brings up. But Hachi just says, like, literally the exact line his mentor said word for word. He's like, oh, you just got to, you know, take your time. Yeah, I think she it's tries fine. to get out of the fishbone to go greet him after they, like, catch up to it. Because Yuri came out to help him, too. But, like, she starts spinning around in circles or something. It's like, yeah, just take your time with oh, this. Oh, 
Yeah, he's like, oh, you'll get there little by little. Just take your time. Yep. Yeah. So this great, this great moment where he has probably just saved several hundred people's lives, including his best friend. And he's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's episode two. That's episode two. And uh, yeah, go ahead with episode three, y'all. Yeah, episode three is called Return Trajectory, and it is insurance season. It's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) This is beautiful. I love that their corporation doesn't actually have, like, you know, set insurance policies, and they just, like, sick all these freeloaders up in there. Oh, and there's the implication that every company, every space company is like that, which... I love too. So basically yeah. the premise of this episode is that like every year around this time, uh, everyone's insurance policies need to be re- renewed. So insurance companies just send up a literal army of people to try to convince everyone on the space station that they should buy their particular insurance. So the entire episode is just people trying to deal with life insurance salesmen selling shit to them the entire time like non-stop like for every like one employee there are four insurance salesmen on top of them like it is an overwhelming number of them they have never managed the art of telling people to fuck off <laughs> you know, I went to university. Does for most of this year most of this episode yes he's the only one but i went to university with a, a very active uh christian a group that whenever you sat alone anywhere, say just eating your lunch between <laughs> classes, they would come up and be like, have you heard the word of God? And you got very good at telling them to fuck off very fast. So uh, we also get, uh, I think it's Ravi passes out uh, sheets to everyone and Hachi's just kind of really annoyed about this. Like, can't you just hand in my one from last year? But... Uh, Tanabe is like, well, what's this? What's all this? And he's like, uh, uh, it's your last will and testament. So you have to renew this every year. If you happen to die in a horrible space accident, who are you going to give your stuff to? I, fi- I find it funny that Tanabe like freaks out about this. She's like, last will, I have to write this. And like, you're in space. Like, this should have been done before you got there. <laughs> Well, I guess they have to renew it every time of year, so they'll just catch you in the next one. Did, did they just, like, space all the lawyers or something? Like, I guess all, so. all the solicitors who normally do that shit? I guess so. I mean, who are, who's going to try and press charges against this mega corporation? <laughs> I think is the <laughs> other implication. They like, own a space They're going to do the bare minimum because, like, fuck it. Like, who's going to sue Amazon? Go nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, go for it. Yeah, our, our employees can get their own insurance. They'll figure it out. Um, so Tanabe starts freaking out about this whole concept of, uh, this high and mighty concept of a last will and testament, um, while we get a montage of, like, <clears throat> literal hundreds of insurance salesmen talking to literally every astronaut and giving every sales pitch in the book, and it's legitimately incredible. I, I do love the hot lady, uh, who's following, uh, Hachi around Yes, Hachi's... Dedicated insurance salesman is a lady with blonde hair and big baps, and she basically like three or four times seamlessly breaks into their conversations with, <laughs> "Well, you know, your family is gonna want something practical if you end up dying horribly in space." 
there was uh, two good scenes. I like one of them is when that lady first walks into the office. Hachi is reading a uh, hustler, and yes. like he sees this hot woman, he just kind of casually flips the hustler over. As <laughs> yeah, they're, like, yeah. they're in the middle of having an cover, argument. Like... Him and Tanabe. She walks into the office, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And just like on the side of the frame she slips it right under it's very good <laughs> yeah there's also one where the insurance companies are like trying to talk to this other company like trying to talk to this employee <laughs> from this other company that's up there and is like oh no yeah we're next week and she's like yeah. oh, okay i'll see you then yeah he's <laughs> like I, I oh no i work for vega not them and he's like oh well see you next month then so yeah, it is just like it's like it's a like. cackling evil way. Like <laughs> yeah. they do not try and portray these life insurance salesmen as anything but terrible leech beings. Their like, life insurance they are salesmen clearly that's... evil. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it, it really does get to the the thing that life insurance is literally. Hey, you're gonna die someday. Do you really want your family to have nothing when you fucking die? I, I love the the middle managers of the office. Their their plan is uh, see no, hear no, and speak no evil. So they uh, later on the scene have uh, sunglasses on, masks on their face, and earplugs in as the insurance salesmen are like trying to sell to them. And the poor uh, Edelgard, yeah, Edelgard, poor Temp is like trying to get them to work, and of course they can't hear her. And you can just see just like. She's so fucking pissed off. Chief, yeah, she's disgusted. <laughs> Chief, all right, how about you, Rafi? Could you sign this? No, no, they're, they're dodging the insurance salesman and their plan fails. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Tanabe gets uh, a look at what Hachi's last will and testament is. And <laughs> it's, it's literally just the Futurama spaceship. <laughs> yes. Like he drew it. And drew a bunch of notes on it as his last will and testament. It and should be <laughs> that the spaceship is like Buck Rogers, like Futurama level spaceship. It's got drawing. guns. Yes. <laughs> it's and, big and fat as well. Yeah. And of course, this pisses Tanabe off a lot. Yeah, she's like, you have to do a serious last will and testament. You can't draw this. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You know, if I show this to my family, like, they laugh. It'd be funny. Yeah, she's struggling with like her first time having to grapple with morality in, or not morality, mortality yeah. in this kind of way. And um yeah, he's just kind of like I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't it's I don't give a scene, shit. It's and this like, is just it, this it makes her so mad. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to be she's like, "Oh god, what what do I put in a last will and testament? Uh god, I need some sort of sage advice to give to my parents." Yeah, it's just starting a couple times I like trying to write them. And he doesn't give half a shit. <laughs> um, they continue to talk about how about everyone dying horribly, and uh, like Yuri and Fee have a conversation about like, "Hey, is the is the rookie signed your last will and testament yet?" And Fee's like, "Nah, she hasn't." And uh, she's. She, don't worry, it doesn't really matter what she writes in it. It's really more about getting her to think about it. And then she looks directly into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite like. Um, ah, yes, they go out on a routine mission. But uh, just as they finish that up, it turns out that there's some new space debris that's on a cometary orbit. So, like, you know, taken way out into the Pluto zone. Uh, but it's coming back in, and they're in the neighborhood, so they're they're being asked to go pick that up. And it turns out it's a dead guy that got shot into space. It yeah, yeah, space like, burial freaks out a little bit uh, when she suddenly sees a corpse in space. 
Yeah, it was a, like a, a theme. corpse of like this astronaut from like the 2030s or something like that. I think he and said like, 2024, they, just before yeah. space burials were banned. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is like really apparently great. this was just like really common for a while. Which I love this concept of like space burials are finally kind of affordable for some people. Sometimes yep. one year later, oh god, these have to be made illegal. We're <laughs> shooting so many corpses into space. Uh, can I just say Elon Musk would absolutely shoot himself into space? That he would do that. You yeah. say I'll would. shoot him into space. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all love to do that, but he would do it after he's dead, not while he's alive. Alas. <laughs> so there's there's this interesting thing where here where like Tanabe's freaking out about it. Hachi doesn't really give a shit because that's kind of his MO. Yeah, he and collected the garbage. What they do yeah. with the corpse is not his opinion, you know. He is the garbage man. If the garbage is a corpse, that's not his problem. Um Fee is actually like Tanabe is like, what the hell are we gonna do? And She's thinking some, like, you know, deep philosophical kind of thing, like, oh, my God, this man died in space. And Fee starts going, like, well, I guess technically, legally speaking, the last will and tender, like, their their next of kin should be grabbed um, because it's, you know, legally the body is their property. And it's this really nice moment where she completely misses why why Tanabe is freaking out, but it, uh, I don't know, I like the way that this episode just keeps going on and on about death but no one can really talk to each other about it so go ahead oh i was gonna say like yeah they uh get in contact with the last uh the next of kin and it's this like old woman now but it was the daughter of the guy who went up yep he died when she was a lot younger and now she's very old but the body like apparently it was meant to be shot out of the solar system but they made a mistake like getting it there and it got it was still trapped in earth's gravity so even in death this guy's last wishes couldn't actually be respected um the daughter is just like well he'd want us to put it back into space it's yeah but there was me thinking about how he was basically an absentee dad he loved space more than his family he was Um, married to the sea (laughs) (laughs) sea of stars we get shots of like how he was always going back into space and his time was very short and she's she's clearly still a little bit broken up about the whole thing and she uh, couldn't even yeah. like look him in the eyes. And he didn't want to be buried on Earth. He wanted to be buried in space, which is why they put him up there. And um, his corpse was smiling. Uh, Hatcher's like, oh yeah, the guy's smiling must have had a nice life. And he tells her that because she asks, she's like, mm-hmm. you know, what was his, I couldn't look at his face uh, during the funeral. What was the expression on his face? And Hatcher was like, he's smiling. So he must've been pretty happy. About being in space, baby. Hell yeah. And so then the daughter's like, okay, well, it's his last will and it's his corpse. So let's shoot him back into space. And Tanabe <laughs> goes ape shit. <laughs> Tanabe the fuck just out. <laughs> Freaks the fuck out. Yeah, no two ways about This is uncalled for. Yeah, she this starts like, bringing up the fact behavior. that like, the orbit was supposed to go out of the solar system, but it was a miracle that it showed up and came back. And so that's like obviously the guy's, you know, spirit or whatever, willing and loving, wanting to go back to Earth. Tanabe starts- is super projecting right <laughs> now. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little. she's got her own things to deal with. Yeah. So it- she... 
Uh, I was going to say, like, we skipped over a scene earlier before they took off about her talking about that she should put love in her will. Mm. Oh, yes. The insurance salesman corners them again, Mm -hmm. and she's like, you should give all of your family money. You should give your family money, because that's what they would want from you. Rather than your your shake guitar, you know? Nobody wants your guitar. They just want $200. And Tanabe's like, fuck you. I'll leave them love. And at this point, the insurance lady is just like, Oh, I'm not getting through this one. <laughs> <laughs> so back on the spaceship, uh, Tanave decides that she is going to take this corpse hostage by taking it out onto the outside of the ship and like holding it over her head so that as Yuri and Hachi like come up to her, like, yo, calm down. She's like, take another step closer. I'm going to throw him into the atmosphere. As an aside, the <laughs> dynamics of this don't make any sense because a human can't throw something in retrograde fast enough for it to deorbit itself. But don't, <laughs> don't worry anything. about it. She never got past like Look, the physics one-on-one part yeah, of her. She's training. the new employee. Yeah. She does not know this, <laughs> and that's what matters. Canonically, Tanabe does not know this. <laughs> and Hachi probably she thinks she can either. just chuck no. it back to yeah. Earth like the Hulk <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah, like, no, he should be with family. And Hachi's like, but he wanted to be buried in space. And she's like, no, family. And I uh, fight. So it's worth noting that um, all of this has been happening on the comms. Yeah. And Fee forgot to mute the mic feed, apparently. <laughs> so the Hot daughter mic. has been hearing all of this. Forgot, like- didn't care. <laughs> Hearing this random, this fucking rando holding her father's corpse over her head, hooting and hollering about the Anubis in the background. And there's this really great shot because she also didn't cut the webcam feed of, I think it's through like Hachi's camera. She it's Yuri sees no, no, behind it's Yuri. Yuri deliberately like zooms in. Right, on the, uh, on the corpse. And it turns out that there is a photo of the daughter and her mother, so wife and child, uh, that was buried with him. And it kind of clicks to her like, oh, maybe he did care about us. I'm like, did he though? <laughs> still kind of a shitty dad. But <laughs> she does, she does like come around into to Tanabe's way and like, actually, you know, or uh, we, I actually will keep the body. So he's like, all right, Ta- Tanabe, you, you can come down now. And I don't think you're even fired. Tanabe, get off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tanabe, we won't fire you. I promise. <laughs> and, and then the end of the series is fantastic because it cuts back to the office. And they're like, Tanabe is clearly swamped with paperwork. And I guess the legal implications of trying to get a corpse from before the ban back down to earth. She's on the phone being like, I filled it. I filled in the form. What, what do you mean? It's filled in incorrectly. What? Yeah. That was the so day there's that a lot of learned what intriplicate means. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So just like the idea of like, oh no, transferring any junk back to the planet is already a pain. And this is a guy. It's a little like, human body. It's a worse. guy. <laughs> That's why Fee didn't care yeah. because she was like, well, Tanabe will have to deal with that. That's all right. It, it is the most, <laughs> like, seasoned senior employee letting the new employee just do this kind of moment. Sure, go ahead. Rewrite that code module. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> the the classic, well, why don't you do it better? And it's like, give it a shot. You'll you, find out. Yeah, you do that. 
<laughs> and also, as a as the kicker for the episode, it does turn out that the uh, bosses, uh, Robbie and Phil, bought uh, they caved, yeah. life insurance policies from the hot lady. And she gives one last try to sell uh, Hachi the a, li- a lover's insurance policy. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. It should be noted that during it, we kind of skipped over that part, but there's kind of like, I guess, a C plot at this point of yes. the ladies that Tanabe hangs out with. Like, one of them like made fun of her for talking about Hachi all the time. Like, oh, you must love him because that's all you talk about. And at the same time, Chen Sin is kind of like saying, hey, that coworker of yours is cute. Do you have anything for her? And of course, Hachi's like, no, she's an idiot. I hate her. And so, <laughs> yeah, this will start developing into something. And no. uh, when Tanabe what? is talking with her girlfriends at one point, uh, one of them mentions like, God, yeah, they got me to buy a couple's plan. They're like, oh, are you in a relationship? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is another case of I, I like that they foreshadowed that like they'll sell couples plans even to single people like they are just sharks. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. One of the guys the yells end, about yeah, she having tries to, to push quotas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's like, please, I got a new quota. Please, yeah, I have she's mouths just like, to feed. Well, Hachi, do you want a couple's plan? <laughs> and he's like, God damn it. <laughs> and he just fucks, he just tells her to fuck off. So he he is the only yeah. person who has not actually sold a life insurance plan. He's smart. Well, other than um the the, the lady who's, yeah, the temp. That because, yeah, the, guard, someone, yeah. Oh, God, I yeah, would not try to sell her to, anything. Oh. She might kill you. <laughs> like, yeah, because like someone tries to sell her something and she just goes, I'm temporary on contract. I'm leaving in six months. And he's just like, I'll leave a flyer in case you get hired full time. She's like, very no. good. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hates those guys. It's great. Oh. oh, God. Yeah, like this episode yeah. is just, I love the way that it's just like, we're going to do an episode about death, but in a really whimsical way. Including having the person on their first week holding a corpse over her head. I'll throw it to Earth! Don't make me! I'll do it! I'm returning him to the Earth. I'll take him to Earth one way or another. I'm gonna get in a barrel and then just fall back to the planet. It's fine. I gotta tell you, the opening, I don't know why, but I got big turning opening vibes from like the song and stuff. It's just like. I'm not sure why it just it just felt turny turny to me. Throat singy or moments to some extent of like it's no longer just super trained astronauts in space. Yeah. It's occasionally Idiots. just some chuckle fucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I got out of high school, so I got a job as an astronaut. You complete idiots and mechs, yeah. Yeah. I mean Fair. it should be stated that like all the other people in this company, at least the ones that go out in the spaceship, are competent at their jobs, like Fi Yuri and you know, Hachimaki to an extent are all competent at what they do. It's just that yeah, Tanabe just has no clue and also Hachimaki fucks up all the time. Yes. He's an idiot. Well it it is like they're all like some level of professional, but like in most office jobs you go into it not knowing shit about shit and you're kind of just expected to learn as you go along. It just turns out that this is literally in space. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very good indictment of office culture in in general. Because yep. there's a lot of very boring, low-level office culture shit, but it's, in, but it's in space. And it's, like, really dangerous and still no one's taking it seriously, yep. which is pretty good. Oh, yeah. So are we going to play the three or four next time? Eh, I think we can go three. Because how many episodes are there total? 26. 
Yeah, I think we can just do three and take our time with it. Because it seems like they're going pretty wide on every episode. Sure. There's a lot of stuff to get into, so I'm fine with that. Who gets episode six next time? That would be Vickis and Serene. Have fun with that one. Oh boy. Get, yes, I good. good. The I legend told, continues. I told Vicus this. I was like, I'm going to get the last episode. It's going to be the worst one every time. Just like last season. It's going to be the one yes. where I have to type. I have some things to say about episode six. It's probably the worst one in the series. And it's sad because the concept <laughs> is great. They could have gone oh in a good place with it, but they didn't. Well, look forward to that. Continues. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, folks. Space anime. Space anime.